Where are you going to go for the best in college radio? The University of Central Missouri, of course. Tune in to the UCM radio station, The Beat. Welcome back to Voices of UCM. I'm your host, Olivia Gibbs, and this week I'm joined by Dr. Mark Von Schlemmer, Professor of Communication and Film Studies at the University of Central Missouri. Mark, thank you for joining me. Let's start with talking about your time in undergrad. It is my understanding that you did not go to UCM as a student, but you have all of your degrees from the University of Kansas. That is true. I, uh, I did. It's not necessarily a wise choice to make in academia to get all your degrees from the same place, but I really merged, you know, my undergraduate into my master's degree. I didn't. I got an undergraduate in English. Really, I didn't. We didn't have to declare very early. I didn't declare a major till my I was enrolling for my senior year, and I thought, well, I guess I should probably narrow this down. And I'd taken science and math and uh, kind of stumbled at one point and then got into the humanities because uh, I didn't – I was good at math. I didn't love it. And uh, so then I was enrolling for my senior year. I thought, oh, I looked at the catalog and realized, oh, I've taken a lot of writing courses in English and uh, some some literature courses. Oh, I, I could graduate next year. Oh, I, I English degree. Sure. <laughs> Um, but the the writing was certainly a big help and, and has helped me in the future and beyond that. So and then I stayed there. I had a job in the dorm and uh, um, and so I got a master's and that's where I kind of got into film and really explored film production. And and because I was doing um, um, graduate assistantships and I was videotaping all the dance shows and things like that, that at, at KU, I uh, Took another four years, so I was in eight years that first time, and when I got my master's, and that's really when I got into film, and that's from there I got an internship at a cable station, and then from there I got a job at TV. Okay, so I kind of want to backtrack because I haven't heard nobody else has ever really told me that they kind of just like stumbled into their major. Um, so you kind of just your last year, you were like, okay, well, English is fine. Yeah. Uh, well, I've, I've always been a big reader. And so I read a lot. And what I discovered in college, oh, you can take courses that, that read the books that I kind of like. So I took a science fiction uh, literature course and I took a fantasy, I guess it was a fantasy and science fiction course. And, and then there was also writing courses. And I always liked writing little stories and things like that. So that really was like, oh, I can, I can, I can, I have enough credits that I could finish. I had looked into journalism for a while and decided that wasn't kind of writing I liked. And like I said, I took math and science physics uh, and, and, uh, and engineering calculus and quickly learned, oh, that's, that's a more serious math than I yeah. really want to do. So <laughs> um, and I had friends and that's the, the charm of college. You, you meet other people. And I had another friend that was majoring in film and I was like, you can major in film? What the heck? And uh, and it was technically a film studies degree, but he was making films and I was in one of his. And um, and uh, so when I got into the, my ma- the master's program, it was initially in, in English. I just like, it's all, it was all literature based at that point. It's like, I'm just not. And then I explored film, had to take an extra semester or two to catch some of the background courses that I hadn't taken as an undergrad and then took film courses. And it was not that organized back then. So it really, I kind of got to craft my own program to a certain degree, but, but just that idea of, of, Oh, I, there's a major in film and people, I guess this is how you learn how to do this. And I had had some interest before I have a picture somewhere 
of, of I was like the president of the camera club in junior high. <laughs> and I hardly even remember that. But, oh, yeah, we videotaped plays and stuff like that. But then I hadn't done anything with film really after that. I didn't make films at home as a kid or anything like that. So it really was just this idea. And I was just very moved by film. And so the idea of getting deeper into it and learning how to produce them and watching my friend do it. He was doing it on Super 8 cameras back then. And, and so when my master's, I actually shot 16-millimeter film because it's higher quality. And I kind of cleaned up some old cameras that they weren't using much anymore. And so it was kind of on my own in some ways. But I had some interesting professors that were kind of leading me along with it. So, yeah, really got into it after that. So then your master's, you said, took four years? It did. I took, a, I took like another a semester. I took a couple undergraduate classes to that were prep for the other ones. Right. So I took an acting class, which I think is really helpful in, in, in when you're making films, and uh, an improv class, and then, you know, the basic in, basic video class, was it was called back then. And then, so yeah, it took me a while. And then I, I was also working the whole time. So I was a graduate assistant in the dorm. I was assistant director of Hashner Hall, the resident <laughs> center for the creative arts in, in, in KU, really fun place, really place where I kind of grew up in a lot of ways. And then, uh, and then I left there, finally left the dorm after five and a half years. To, uh, to work on this um, consortium of departments that had a bunch of uh, equipment, uh, video gear, that they used to videotape theater shows when, when appropriate and uh, uh, all the dance shows. And I really got to know some of the creatives there. And that just really inspired me more to get into the creative side of things. So then what was your Ph.D. in? So I worked in television for 10, 11, 12 years there. And then, uh, you know, I lived in Lawrence and I – always was interested in getting into the the um, more theoretical aspect. I did a little bit of that in my master's, but not much. It was my very hands-on. So I ended up, I uh, was doing freelance work at that point. I left the TV station. I thought, well, why don't I take a few classes and see how that goes? And so it was in the, the same department. It had changed names. So at that point, it was uh, theater and film is what my, my graduate degree, and then they later became just film and media studies. So by the time I finished my Ph.D., it was uh, um, film and media studies. Um, and they had their own building at that point, uh, kind of an old uh, 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 studio. I met all kinds of people making films now. My Ph.D. is, not, is, is very much an academic degree, so it wasn't making films. I did all that on the side. But that's, of course, what I was most interested in. But I also really love getting into the theories and getting into the history and things like that. So, And because I'd had experience um, at the TV station, I uh, was able to teach a couple classes. So I taught the intro class um, at KU for a couple semesters and, you know, reaffirmed all of that, which is what I learned at the TV station that I liked working with students. I liked, I liked teaching. And so when I was doing editing, I was often teaching other people how to use the Avid editing system at the TV station. And that's where I kind of thought, oh, it might be fun to, to teach and then be able to make films on the side. And so that's kind of what led me to come back for the Ph.D. Then again, it, it took me another eight years to get the Ph.D. So, uh, again, it's I was working. School. Yeah, it's a lot of school. <laughs> 16 years of, of her higher education. Um, uh, you know, I was I was working. I was making films, uh, going through some family challenges and things like that. So. It, it, you know, it, not every, it's actually almost the average is like is eight, right around eight years, I understood, to m- complete a, a PhD. And the dissertation is what took the last, you know, uh, three or four years. And it's just, you know, just got to write a book on your own now. Go, do, go off and do that. Oh. And, uh, yeah. So really one of the hardest things I've ever done. Really satisfying to get it done and really proud of the work. And I never really got it published. But, uh, but I really, you know, I think the study was, was fascinating. So I enjoyed that. And I met all kinds of interesting people and started working with Kevin Wilmot and projects and stuff like that. So. Right. 
I will circle back to that. Um, back to when you were at KU, were there any things that you, any like organizations that you were involved in, anything like that outside of, I know you were a, a graduate assistant um, and you worked in the dorms and things like that. Yeah, the most of my activities ended up being in the dorm. So, so are, are the, the um, residence hall, because we don't call them dorms, I don't know what they claim. <laughs> but it really was a fascinating place because it was, it was a residence center for the creative arts. So they had a theater where other dorms had a, had a big lobby. They had a theater and they would put on shows. And I was in shows there. I was in uh, um, even even ones where I sang. I was singing musical theater, which I haven't done a lot of. But uh, um, And uh, they would do like a open mic night, uh, you know, once a month. And they so most of my activities were really related to the dorm. I was the president of the dorm for one semester, for one year, and then got into being an RA um, not my favorite year, the year that they <laughs> outlawed alcohol from the campus and, and RA suddenly became like policemen. And it was never my intention of what I wanted to do. Right. But, uh, and then I got the assistant director job, which was fun. I kind of hired the staff and ran the front desk. And so, yeah, I didn't do a lot of other extracurricular stuff other than playing volleyball and softball and stuff like that But um, uh, in, in intramurals. But uh, but the dorm and, and I, it kind of was my outlet for creative work. I created a film or two for the end of the year ceremony and stuff like that. So a lot of my extracurricular stuff was really connected to Hashinger Hall because it was this kind of hotbed of interesting creative people, people doing all kinds of different things that was very inspiring in a lot of ways. I think it's interesting that you were around all of these creative people but didn't really go into a media degree until your master's. Yeah, I think, and I'm certain... Uh, besides my friend who I'm still friends with now that, that was a film major, it really was that creative. I mean, I would see the, the musicians and, and I was in marching band the first couple of years. I didn't, that it was the extent of my musical uh, education, but it was a lot of fun. But I would watch, you know, in the dorm, we had practice rooms and things like that. And the hours and hours that those people spent practicing, you know, four hours a day on their instruments, like, wow. Um, and then we had a drafting room where people were architect. And, 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 and designers were doing stuff. And so it, I was just surrounded by it. And that's what really kind of where I kind of realized, oh, that's, that's what I want to do with my life is do creative work. And, and I'm very moved by various creative work, music for sure, but, uh, and, and, and film. So that's what kind of helped shape the, oh, I could, I, I mean, I was a, a writing, an English major with a you know, writing emphasis. So I was doing creative work in that sense, but that didn't feel as, as artful as some of the other things I was around. And so film, I realized, was kind of a combination of all these different things. So that's really what kind of and, – and I could learn how to make films. And I was always a big film fan. So that, that, it took that environment, I think, to kind of bring that out. Right after your bachelor's, were you interested in going into, like, the workforce? Or were you kind of, like – no, I, I, I want to be in school a little bit longer. Uh, I was having a great time in school. So, <laughs> no, I, was, I, I didn't feel ready. Uh, four years, I, some, again, like I said, I was kind of surprised that I made it in four years by make, you know, declaring my major. Um, and then I had the, the position in the dorm. So I thought, oh, well, this, this will be a way of staying in. And I didn't quite know what to do with an English degree. It's a good basic degree. It's, you learn to write well, which is kind of the basis for an awful lot of things. So I felt like that was good, but I didn't know what I wanted to do. I never did. Even as a kid, I didn't know what I wanted to be. I didn't know. People would say, I want to be a fireman. It's like, I don't, I don't know. I don't know. I'm just going to explore. And that's part of why at school I took so many classes all over astronomy and physics and uh, uh, Chinese philosophy at one point and just all kinds of different things to explore things. But, um, but yeah, I was not ready when I finished my undergraduate degree. And so in my master's, uh, part of 
well, one of the options, I don't know if it was required at that point, um, was to do an internship. And I did an internship at the local cable station. And they did the newscast and they did the KU games and high school sports. And so that's where I learned to wrap a cable. And that's where I learned to, the practical side of things and ended up working there after I left. So, so yes, then I was ready. By the time I finished my master's, I was ready and uh, ready to, to enter the world and explore other, you know, actual getting paid work. Right. What were your career goals right after finishing your master's? Oh, you know, I would say it was to make films, but that was very much a kind of uh, vague uh, idea. Term. Yeah, where, where, what, what, what part of that, or how I'd be involved with that? I didn't really feel that prepared. I had jumped into a shooting film that I was learning how to shoot, and and cost me some money because film is expensive in sixteen millimeter. Um, I did when I finished my master's. I, I had a job at the cable station. I was uh, applied for a full time job that they didn't have they had one position available and they hired someone else and I was like all right I'll move on <laughs> and I, I you know I don't talk a lot about this but I, I uh, packed up and moved to New York City oh I did not know that I, yeah uh, I, I was there uh, I, I lasted all of uh, five weeks um, I had an apartment <laughs> one of my professors had a who, who was only there for a few years at KU had an apartment like a block off of Times Square and so I was subleasing from her and I got there and didn't know anyone, had a couple couple names to go follow up on. It was 1990. The Persian Gulf War was starting to happen. People weren't hiring. The TV stations that I might have had some experience. I had one interview at a at ABC at the place where they um, took films and, and edited them for TV. So they bleeped stuff and they shortened them or whatever, you know, Such modified to, yeah. And didn't get that job, but didn't know that I really had liked that concept of like butchering up these films for TV. But, uh, you know, right. it would have been a, you know. but, uh, but like three weeks in, I was just like, wow, why do people live like this? A block off of Times <laughs> Square. I'm in an apartment. You, you, you only get groceries for like three meals because you have to carry it in your arms up these stairs. And uh, I, I was just not loving the environment. I was wandering around. I had taken a car there, which you don't take a car to New York City. You don't need one. Uh, but right. I had to park that in different places, my little Volkswagen Beetle. And then uh, three weeks in, I had started contact with the cable station, and they had changed their mind. They wanted to hire me, and they'd pay me a little more than, you know, they'd pay me what I was asking. It's like, oh, okay, well, I'll go back to Kansas. And, uh, and so those last two or three weeks there, I had a great time because New York is a cool place. Mm-hmm. I don't want to live there. Visiting is wonderful. Restaurants are great if you have money to pay for the restaurants right. and stuff. but uh, a fascinating place but boy it I came back and what it made me do was appreciate the Midwest and you know open skies and trees and grass you know grass. I'd, I'd hang out in Central Park <laughs> for a couple of days and it's like okay but this is not where we live we live over here on the streets and so I, I really appreciate it I actually moved downtown in Lawrence so I had apartment above the downtown store which felt kind of like New York but it was Lawrence right. <laughs> and it was I could there were parks were nearby and I could walk and <laughs> So, and it was a block from the, the cable station. So I, it made me, it really made me follow, realized how much I love the Midwest. And, uh, and so it's kept me being happy here because I had a taste of that. And I, I traveled around as a kid. My father was in the military. So I'd lived in Virginia and California where they were from and all over. So I'd been around, but uh, it made me appreciate the, the Midwest living and Midwest people and things like that. So. <laughs> I just, I think it's funny that you mentioned that because we were actually talking in narrative last week, which for those of you listening, um, Mark is my professor for a class called narrative production. But 
we were discussing how difficult it is to live in those places like L.A. and New York, right? Especially right now because the rent is insane. Oh yeah, it's just. Oh, yeah. I can't even imagine like packing up and going there and just no job, nothing. <laughs> no, it was it was it was probably the the I don't know the most out there thing I've done for sure. Uh, and I had a place to stay, but my other job was I was only paying for one third of this apartment, so I had to find some roommates to pay for it. And then you know I did find one, but you know finding people in New York that I didn't know it, it yeah, was very strange. Rooming with and it, yeah, it's just so expensive. And even, even then, it was a little bit less, but. But, yeah, now it's just kind of overwhelming. So they, the jobs you can get those markets are pay well, but that's because it's so expensive to live there. And that's the other charm of the Midwest is that it's, it's you know, it's, it's not that nearly affordable. as expensive. Yeah, so. yeah. Okay. We are going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we'll be discussing Mark's career since graduating from the University of Kansas. different face and posting on their feed they're super ugly the things they say to them online are cruel and they're not true so tell your friend i'll stand up for you don't worry i know what to do tell the world i see Know someone who's being bullied online? Send the witness emoji. It looks like an eye in a speech bubble, and it's in the symbol section near the clocks in your phone. You'll let the world know it isn't cool, and you'll let your friend know you care. Learn more about the witness emoji at eyewitnessbullying.org. Brought to you by the Ad Council. Welcome back to Voices of UCM. We are currently on the air with Dr. Mark von Schlemmer, Professor of Communication and Film Studies at UCM. Um, Mark, I actually don't know. How long have you been a professor at UCM? Uh, this is my 12th year. So I started in 2010 and uh, as an instructor and then got hired on a tenure track. And So, yep, 12 years now. Okay. So being from Lawrence, what drew you to UCM and Warrensburg? Um, I, uh, so when I came... Uh, Picking up where we left off, I, when, I, when I got back from, from New York City, I really kind of re-fell re in love, if that's the right phrase, um, with the Midwest and remembered why I liked it here in the rolling hills and things like that. And so uh, when I got my Ph.D., finished my Ph.D., um, I wanted to stay around this area. Um, you kind of uh, – it qualifies you to teach at a college level, and there are obviously colleges all over the country, all over the world. But I had some family. I, I had, had lost a sister-in-law, and so I had a nephew and niece, and I wanted to be closer to that family and be in the area. Um, I had bought a house out in the country that I was really comfortable in, so I kind of liked it just outside of Lawrence. Um, so I was looking in the area, and really I, I got the uh, instructor position, just the temporary instructor position. I was literally finishing my dissertation, doing the last uh, uh, um revisions of that, about to turn that in at the end of, uh, of uh, July when a friend who was working here at the time said, oh, we need someone to teach a couple classes. Are you interested? And I was like, I'm just finishing this, but sure, okay, I'll finish this, and then I'll have two weeks to prep for whatever these classes are. Um, and so I really, it was, you know, I, I didn't expect to stay here uh, on a permanent basis, um, <laughs> But uh, it was, you know, it's, it's, people always think, oh, it's, it's a bit of a drive. And it is. It's 90 miles. It's 90 minutes. Um, and I do that two to four days a week. And uh, 
Um, but I really kind of like my place out in the country. It's an old schoolhouse built in 1925 and, and uh, got some, you know, a couple acres of, of, of trees and stuff around it. So um, I think when I talk about the country, I start sounding like I'm more from Kansas. You know, I start <laughs> talking, talking. Um, so uh, and I and the charm of UCM was on me right away. The, the fact that it's very hands on. So my degrees at KU and their department has changed over the years. But but th- uh, the fact that it's a very I, I like getting, you know, cameras in, in students' hands early. And and the fact that it's kind of got this um, dive in and start doing production uh, um, feel to UCM, uh, which some other programs that I'm familiar with, it, it, you take a few semesters before you can start doing stuff like that. And so we're really hands-on here, and I appreciated that. Um, really, you know, the people I was working with I liked a lot. Um, it's, it's a nice—I like the size of the school. I felt— uh, there were times, part of why I think the dorm became such a nice uh, nexus of my life when I was an undergrad, was that KU was a really big school. Yes. Many dorms and, and just, you know, thousands and thousands of people. And so I didn't feel real close to a lot of the professors and the programs there, um, but I did feel at home at the, in the dorm. And so the size of UCM really appealed to me as well. So I, I feel like I, I know many of the students in, their, in our various classes, even if they're not even in mine. Um, and, uh, yeah, and it's a lovely campus. Again, part of what I love about the Midwest, nice, lots of green. The squirrel population alone is, it makes insane. Know, it, 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 yeah, <laughs> yeah. So it's, uh, I, I like the size and I like the, the place of it. And I, my family that was in Kansas City, I got to hang with them, you know, so it was all in the area. Um, and it just, you know, there, I could never come up with a, a reason to, to move on. It was really happy here. Was this, so this was right before you finished your Ph.D., your dissertation, um, did you leave the the TV station before um, going back to get your PhD, or like were you still there? No, there was there was there was a as a break there, and okay. uh, the the break um, the position I had been program I was doing promotions at the the TV station, so I did commercials for the news, live power live uh, power Doppler. <laughs> the most powerful television radar in Kansas City and things like that. Won an Emmy, a regional Emmy for work I did with... Uh, you won an Emmy? I did, I did. Wow. A, a regional Emmy, that. not a national well, one. But still. Yeah, no, I've got the statue. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah for, a, for a campaign for the Call for Action series, the, the Consumer Reporter there, we did a nice campaign shot on film and things like that. Um, so, uh, uh, but I, during that, I had made connections with a lot of local filmmakers. I was doing a little film festival I used to do in Lawrence. I'd helped on a couple in Kansas City. So I had lots of film connections. And then the crews that we would hire when we had a budget at the TV station. Um, so I got to know some of those people. The last couple of years at the TV station, I had moved into programming. So I was producing a couple shows, um, which the TV station didn't quite know what to do with. They didn't ever quite get the, the um, commercial support. Doing local programming, if it's not Chiefs-related, there's just not much hope for Or news-related, it was hard to get backing for that. So they were going to end that program. Technically, uh, I was officially laid off. And they had offered me, I got to really like the people I work with, they offered me a news photographer position, which I really didn't want to go back into news. That was why I went into programming, because I was getting a little tired of trying to promote the news. That, you know, again, it's, it's, a, it's a significant thing, but it wasn't my thing at that point. And again, I had had these ideas of making films. And so I thought, well, I know enough, I have enough connections now. So I went freelance. I said, I thank, you know, I thanked them. And I'm still in contact with many of the people from the station. I really enjoyed that time there. But I went freelance at that point. So, um, and that was in uh, literally uh, August of 2001. And then, you know, things changed in the world with 9-11. And uh, um, 
freelance the economy kind of again kind of like when I faced in New York uh, went on hold and so when when companies are nervous about spending money the videos that they produce and that they need um, are one of the tighten up a little bit so um, so I was doing some freelance work and I had some good contacts and I did a couple projects lined up right after I left the TV station all worked well but then I just thought well it's a little little more sporadic than I'd like maybe I have time to to go back to school. And so it was really a combination. And really how I paid for school, uh, at least to a certain extent, was was doing freelance work. So I did freelance work at Sprint. I did freelance work, you know, editing mostly, occasionally projects that I would produce and direct, um, my, my cement safety videos and things <laughs> like that. My friend from high school that worked at a cement plant, and uh, I ended up doing cement plant safety videos for all around the Midwest. Um, so I did that kind of work while I was going to school. Occasionally some of the projects I would work on um, at in my, uh, during my PhD work, but the the films I was working on would be paid projects. So the Kansas vs. Darwin project that I did, the documentary, I got paid for that, um, and so that helped put me through my my graduate study. So I had a couple years between my regular full time job and then the starting school, and then kind of kept up the freelance during that. Was this also the time that you became friends with Kevin Wilmot? Yes. So um, I had met Kevin back in the nineties. Um, when maybe when he first came to Lawrence or something like that, he was working on a film, and at the, at, at the cable station, I had an arts show where I featured local artists. Again, my you know interest in, in, in pursuing the arts of all sorts, and and uh, he had his his NYU graduate film, and and said, hey, is that something you want to put on you know on the cable station? I said, oh yeah, here's and you know this is I should have seen then why we were going to have a connection. I said, yeah, it's a little long though for our program, and it's got some slow parts mind if I edit it down a little bit? And he was like, oh, sure. Yeah, go for it. <laughs> and I was like, why? Which we just felt now. It's like, I wouldn't just offer to edit down someone's film. But anyway, he was open to it. And I did. I just tightened it up a little bit. So we put it on and we stayed in contact. I knew he was working on this, his first film project, the, the Ninth Street. Um, and so when I came to KU, you know, eight years later or whatever it was, nine years later, uh, he was a professor here at that point. He had been hired and was teaching screenwriting and, and production. And uh, immediately I ended up taking some classes from him, uh, took a screenwriting class, took the African-American images in the film, which really is an area of interest I've always had um, since a kid, just following stories and uh, and some, you know, the history connections. So uh, and he was at that point had finished Ninth Street and was now working on this other faux documentary called CSA, the Confederate States of America. And uh, they had an editing team. I don't know. There were four or five people working on that. But uh, I helped a little bit, and then they got it into Sundance and needed some help uh, getting it in shape for that. So they had been, you know, especially in that era, his films, you know, he took seven or eight years to make Ninth Street, and he took five years maybe for CSA, and I came in on the very tail end of that. But I had done the freelance work at Sprint, and somebody at Sprint, one of the supervisors there had said, given, uh, was a KU fan, was a fan of Kevin, and said, hey, come finish your film here if you need to. You, you, and, I, and, and, I, and we knew that I had access because I had a card because I was, did freelance work there regularly, so I knew the equipment there. So I, helped, I became the post-production supervisor is what the title, and assistant editor. So we finished CSA there, and, so, and that was where I first got to work with him and uh, you know, more directly, not just you know, chopping up his graduate film. <laughs> um, but he was just a you know, great guy and really interested in the stories he had to, that he was telling and the and just the working with him and just a good person to work with. Um, so from there, yeah, I mean, he had a couple other editors that he worked pretty regularly. So the next film, they mostly edited, and I was kind of a consulting editor. 
And then they moved on, and, and I was still there. And so that's when The Only Good Indian came up, which my students all know because they have to edit a scene from that. Yep. Um, Did that last year. Yep. <laughs> and uh, and so, yeah, we've worked on projects. And, and I've had a few others. I, the, the, the film that we're showing at the Melier Society this Thursday is, a, is a, a film that I worked with a couple students that graduated that went out and shot a, a feature film musical and asked me to edit it. It was like, oh, sure. And that was totally just free. Let me help out. Um, really a lot of fun. I really love that film. It's, it's very low budget, but it's great music and fun. And so worked on the uh, other documentaries, again, some freelance work, but kept coming back to Kevin projects. And later on, they were more paid projects, which was nice and, you know, helps pay the bills. And uh, so we just really kind of formed a bond at that time and really kind of worked well together. And, uh, so yeah, even after I graduated, finished my PhD, um, and started working here. He's still working on projects. Now, he somewhere along the way, he became more of a, a national figure and started working with Spike Lee, and I don't work on those films with him because <laughs> uh, Spike has his own editors and things like that. But uh, I, I'm sometimes in the room when Spike calls, and that's always kind of fun because you could hear Spike and him talking. And, <laughs> um, um, but, yeah, so his local films, the documentary, we're, we're currently working on a documentary right now. Uh, about LGBTQ issues in Kansas, the kind of battle for rights, and uh, which is kind of an ongoing thing. We keep we keep working on it, and then something else happens in the news, and that changes <laughs> a little bit. So, uh, so yeah, so we've done you know, I don't know seven or eight, nine projects together. Okay, I will ask you about that um, in the next segment, okay. but okay. because I did look at your IMDb to make sure that I was <laughs> up to date, up to date. Um, on your projects, because I wanted to ask you about the computer lab. Um, if you wanted to explain that. Sure, sure. So a few years ago, um, kind of between other projects, which is part of what, you know, uh, we weren't, I was cur- wasn't currently working on a project with Kevin at the time. Uh, I came up with this idea. It's kind of a, a convoluted story, but uh, Art Reynolds, the department chair at the time, uh, ha- wanted to see a, a project that, you know, kind of encompassed the whole program. And he had some ideas and, and I didn't like his ideas. I didn't think they were very practical because <laughs> I, I was trying to get the very practical. It's like, well, let me let me come up with an idea. And so I came up with this idea of the, of the computer lab, um, which my original idea was, well, we can shoot down. We're, we're recording this now in the broadcast media lab. And so I thought we could shoot right there. We have labs there. So it was, it was finding locations. It was working with students and other faculty, um, kind of keeping it contained. A web series. The idea was a web series so there could be shorter episodes. Um, and then I connected with my colleague, Michael Graves, who I was a fellow grad student from KU before he came here. And uh, we kind of brainstormed you know, four different ideas, or really three different ideas, and the fourth one kind of came along later, um, of this computer lab, of this you know mysterious computer that starts uh, acting on its own accord. And uh, he's the teaches screenwriting here, so he was going to handle the screenwriting, but we came up with the story ideas together. Uh, they all ended up being a little longer than originally my original vision because <laughs> they ended up being a lot of, I mean, we ended up like with about uh, 90 minutes of material, I think, I think 100 minutes. I can't remember what the total of the, of the four episodes. So they all became a little more complex, but really interesting ideas. And um, we did a whole, uh, not audition, but a, but a, um, students applied to be uh, on the crew and things like that. So uh, we were very ambitious at the start, and the, the semester, the main semester where we first started in 2018, I think it might have been, fall of 2018, uh, clearly took on too much. And uh, But we, we 
pulled it off. We still got four episodes together. It took a, a, a smaller crew the next semester that were still around, that hadn't graduated, things like that. That put together the other, the next two episodes, and it did spill into summer a little bit. And um, but we got all kinds, just really met all kinds of great people here at UCM. We got involved other people, my some professional friends that uh, my Steve Frakel, my cinematographer friend, who is now all Hollywood and uh, <laughs> shooting uh, Grey's Anatomy the last couple of years, um, came out and did a Steadicam uh, demonstration, and then did a, this great Steadicam shot for episode. Four, um, uh, so helped out. You know, he helped out for a day, and uh, uh, Michael Graves had a, a friend that he had met, for a colleague who did original music, and so students did the music for the first one, um, and then he graduated, and so we we got his friend from California who uh, did the music for the last three. Um, so so really a, a combination, and and really from the start it was meant to be both a, a faculty and student and staff collaboration. It really was. And we just, you know, we really found out just how generous people here at UCM are and, and in Warrensburg. We shot all over Warrensburg, got the fire department here to, to run their trucks by a couple times and uh, just, and all over, shot all over campus, all over the place. Um, Roger Best became a fan of it. He was actually just <laughs> in, coming into the to the presidency here at that time. But uh, he, you know, he came to our premiere at the, at the union and uh, really a lot of fun, um, exhausting, Total, total, uh, 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 to, to both faculty and staff and students, I think. Um, but, uh, you know, we're really proud of the work we did with that. And, uh, you know, it's on the web and it can be viewed forever now. So. Do you think the digital media production program would do something like that, maybe on a smaller scale? Yeah, I learned a lot from that process. And I think, uh, yeah, it's just kind of finding the right time and place. And, uh, you know, we were also really lucky that uh, we did our grand premiere dropped all four episodes in uh, November of 2019 and of course we know what happened in 2020 and so um, I you know that could have derailed everything if we hadn't finished it before then but that certainly has kind of well it's derailed the whole world in many ways but certainly yeah. production and uh, so we're just now this our class this semester in narrative production we're we're working with people now that we don't have a mask mandate we um, people are vaccinated and safe and things like that so we uh, um I were able to do production again. And so I think it could be in the future. I, I might be looking towards students to kind of get get the energy going on it, but I'm, I'm open to exploring. You know, there, there's other season possibilities of that, of the computer lab or of other projects like that. Um, we, the stuff that we learned from that first experience, I think, was really invaluable. We'll, we'll be able to do it a little smarter. We won't try to do both. We're, I still have a student working with this semester working on a behind-the-scenes behind the scenes episodes of the computer lab because we shot so we shot the the episodes but we also had another crew shooting behind the scenes and just tried to do so much oh and it was just pretty overwhelming so we're still kind of playing that out we've had students do trailers for the computer lab episodes and we have like i said episode uh the episode four behind the behind the screen we call it, the computer lab behind the screen <laughs> so we'll get that on the youtube channel here soon i think okay we are going to take one more break, and when we come back, we'll be discussing Mark's plans for the future. Only in the forest can you see this. And this. And this. But nothing beats the moment you see that. Cool! That's your child's eyes opening up to a world of possibilities. Because one trip to the forest can spark a world of difference. 
There are some moments only the forest can inspire. Find yours at discovertheforest.org. Learn about forests near you and discover cool things to do when you go, like hiking, canoeing, fishing, or camping. Or create your own adventure with family and friends, and you might just see this. Your moment's out there. Find it at discovertheforest.org. That's discovertheforest.org. Brought to you by the U.S. Forest Service and the Ad Council. If you are just joining us, we are currently on the air with Dr. Mark von Schlemmer, Professor of Communication and Film Studies at UCM. So you mentioned the documentary that you were working on. Did you want to talk any more about that? Yeah. So uh, it, title is No Place Like Home, kind of playing off the, the Wizard of Oz uh, uh, legacy of Kansas, um, but also connecting it with the, uh, the, if you're familiar with the whole Friends of Dorothy, which was a code for... Uh, lesbian and gay people to connect before they could be out in the world. And so it's all kind of tied into this I- ideas of Kansas. And as a Kansas filmmaker, and Kevin is a Kansas filmmaker as well, Kevin Wilmot, grew up in Junction City, Kansas, um, we're, we're often doing films that connect with this kind of noble narrative of, of Kansas as this, the free state, you know, and it's, and it's the, but that, that, that there's problematic, right? That there's, there's never, it's never quite that simple. Um, and so uh, this current film is based on a, a, a book that uh, a local journalist, Kansas City journalist, uh, wrote a few years ago, C.J. Janavoy, and uh, about LGBTQ activism in Kansas. And so some friends, colleagues have, have saw that book and thought, oh, I'm going to make this into a documentary film and, and uh, raise some money for it, do good productions as a company. We've done one other film as this, that entity. Um, and it's uh, exploring various issues, uh, LGBTQ issues. It really s- started to be a little more of a historical perspective on L- lesbian and gay act, uh, activism. But because the trans issues have really become to the forefront, um, that's kind of been the shift. And that's really where the edge. And we didn't weren't really looking to do a historical documentary. So it's much more living of what, like what's going on right now. And. And, you know, I've just both Kevin and I have learned so much as we're in the edit bay right now. So there's another team of, of, of the producers that helped uh, do the interviews and things like that. Kevin did some of them as well. But part of it was done before COVID. And then we're, we've done it a little bit during and after here. Um, if we are after COVID, I don't know. Let's get into that. Right. But uh, <laughs> but uh, it's it's kind of an evolving issue. We, we may yet do a couple more interviews, but hopefully we're going to finish it this summer. Um, and it really is telling stories and putting a human face for people that just may not know these issues. And I, I you know, I did the classic line. Well, I've got friends that were gay, but um, but I really getting into the the difficulties of of when there's legislation, you know, banning activities. And currently, it's the anti-sports uh, bills for for um, athletes, trans athletes, and. Uh, and, you know, the more you dig into it, you just realize, boy, there's just some mean people out there and the repercussions of this. And I'm going to get political here because that's what our films do. Uh, they're just mean spirited. And these are at youth at risk kids that are trying to figure out what their lives are and who they are. And we have this legislation that says, oh, you can't be play sports. You can't do this. You can't do that. Um, don't use that bathroom, use this bathroom, whatever. And so it's just, it's not a great um, uh, environment for people. And so, but hearing these stories and you meet these people and you meet the people that have struggled and you meet their families and you meet 
their brothers and sisters who of people that didn't survive that committed suicide or, or took their lives or died in some way related to the to the um to the uh, discrimination that they felt and the unwelcome world it seems like for some some people um so uh, it's you know it's a lot to take in but it's really going to c- come down to telling these stories and letting you meet some people and letting you hear some of the challenges that they face their families face and things like that. I think it's going to be, I think it's going to be really interesting. Um, it's been a lot of work and it's been really hard in a documentary. You're often trying to find what the story is. And so that has been the challenge here. What, what story there's just, you know, a million different stories to tell, but what do we have here? And what are the people that we have to tell those stories? So uh, it's really been a nice uh, uh, learning experience and an adventure. And, and Kevin and I both kind of uh, learning in the process and then, just connecting and kind of pulling it together to hopefully tell a fascinating documentary story. I think telling those stories is very important because a lot of times, like you said, those people are mean-spirited. And when you are able to put a face to who these people are, if that makes sense. Yeah, um, yeah it, that's it exactly. Yeah, yeah. It it can change their minds sometimes. Yeah, it's... It, People often think of these issues as this theoretical. Oh, they we shouldn't. They shouldn't. That's not fair to have a of a of a person who was formerly male be playing sports with you know. Or, or, and and uh, but no. So he, meet this person. Here's their story. Right. They didn't know what they were. You know where what they how they felt or what they were going through when they were in their teen years. Right. Um, but taking away things and outlawing things that's going to make them feel even more estranged is just you know it's really tragic and and so. Uh, yeah, I, that's it. That's telling these stories. Not really. That's the greatest value in this is these, is the people we've talked to. And again, you know, one of the stories is this mother who was just like, uh, you know, uh, probably came from a background that was not very supportive for this, but then realized that her daughter w- felt like a, a a man, and so needed to uh, make that transition. And she's like, okay, so what do we do? And how? And you know what she she describes this beautifully about how she handled what she learned and how she's and just how it's evolving and it's not totally you know it's so it's yeah it's a fascinating story and uh, it should play I, I can mention this but it'll probably play on like regional PBS stations hopefully KMOS will play it they've played a couple of Kevin's films that we've worked on in the past but um uh, that's probably the where it'll end up playing mostly okay I know that you are a pretty big social activist obviously do you think in the future you'd want to more work on more like documentary style films like the one you're working on or go back to kind of like the narrative? You know, the, the narrative films that I've worked on have kind of always had a social justice aspect to them uh, in some ways. Certainly Kevin's films have. Um, but that's really what moves me is what I've discovered. So uh, whether it's um, whether it's documentary, I, I, I can I like work on everything. So um, I feel like I've done a couple documentaries now. I might be ready for a narrative film again uh, after this one, but we'll see what comes along. I don't have any specific ideas exactly. Um, but I think, I mean, I'm a big fan of, of, of the um, insight into the human condition that that narrative films can tell, that fiction films can, you know, get to that documentary films can get to in a different way. So I, I kind of love them all. Um, but really what I've learned through this process and maybe what I got away from a little bit with some of the computer lab stuff is the social justice aspect. And to me, that's what the, the power of art and film is to really open people's eyes and give voice to people that maybe aren't getting voice and things like that. So I think that's the couple ideas that I have going on in my head right now, the writing projects and even a experimental film or two that I'm working on. Um, have kind of that have are, are ways of bringing about kind of a, a 
sharing a social justice idea. Again, that's a hot button phrase that not everyone agrees on what it means. But to me, it's giving voice to uh, people or beings that are not necessarily giving, have a voice in society. And so that's an important aspect of it that really kind of motivates me. Right. Okay. So my last question for you is what advice would you have for aspiring filmmakers? Um, I think the main trick is to find what moves you. Um, I mean, there, you know, there are higher paying jobs out there, careers out there. There's all kinds of things out there. If you're going to do digital media production, um, I think you kind of have to have a passion for it. Um, can make a good living at it as well. Mind you, I don't want to say that that's not the case, <laughs> but find what moves you. Really what I learned early on was um, I like the whole process. I became an editor. I, a lot of my freelance work has been as an editor because what I discovered is I love editing. I love that process almost no matter what I'm editing. So whatever form, even some really boring corporate stuff that I've occasionally done uh, that I get paid for, um, uh, the editing process is fun. How can, how can I make the best uh, cement plant safety video and how, what creative ways can I bring in graphics? And so, so I enjoy that process. When it gets to directing and writing, I'm much more passionate about telling social justice stories. So, but you, you just have to find your passion. So that's, that's what I tell, I try to encourage students is to find what moves you. And if it's filming stuff, you know, the cinematography side of it, then dive into that and just immerse yourself in that. But um, so the main thing is, yeah, find what moves you. And the other side of it is, uh, I don't think I've emphasized this a lot lately, but you got to have find stories to tell. I mean, really, the digital media production program is all about telling stories, whatever form they are, right? So journalism stories or audio stories or whatever. And so find stories that move you. And you just have to, you have to um, immerse yourself in life and in society and look beyond just your, you know, your film world or something like that. You just watch movies and all you're going to know is other movies. And you got to connect to life and you got to find interest outside of that. So I mean, whether it's music, I, I enjoy, you know, music on the side as it really is kind of as a hobby and uh, or it's, um, you know, reading or it's hearing, you know, Angela Davis was on campus last week and it was just a great talk and it's really kind of motivating. So that's, again, the charm of college is there's all kinds of things going on coming back now after COVID, hopefully. Uh, so so you have to immerse yourself in various things so you have stories you can tell meet people find people and whether you're going to tell their story or whether you're going to fictionalize it and put it in your next narrative film or something like that so um you gotta you have to be passionate about this business i think to really do well in it and again that can apply to sports side of things as well i mean I just happened to be a university of kansas graduate and we just happened to have won the national championship uh, the march madness <laughs> national championship um but there's all kinds of stories embedded in sports as well i mean really this part of what we're telling the story of that game or the people the players in it or the coach or whatever so um you know whatever it is that moves you find your passion and uh, pursue that and you kind of gotta have to immerse yourself in it you can't uh, you know you can't there's a lazy side. we all need to have some laziness we all need to watch some some silly films or tv occasionally but stay active and stay reading and stay challenging yourself. Unfortunately, that is all the time we have for this week's episode. Mark, thank you so much for joining me. Don't forget to join me next week at the same time and place. I'm Olivia Gibbs, and this has been Voices of UCM.
Did you know that the University of Central Missouri has been leading innovation for nearly 150 years? With more accreditations and more qualified faculty members, our commitment to academic success is unparalleled. And we make sure every student receives the support they need to graduate on time and with less debt. So whatever opportunity you're looking for, make your impact sooner at UCM. With campuses located in Warrensburg, Lee Summit, and online. Find out more about UCM and the power of opportunity in action at ucmo.edu.